Hey, welcome, welcome. Sky's the limit and beyond. Uh, this is your host with the most, Ryan McGarrett, coming at you with um, our um, flavorful flirt friends in the West Coast, Mr. Jay What's Lawrence. up? Yeah. Hey, um, Ryan. Yeah, man. Uh, so what we've done here is this is kind of a part three of um, our conversation around Jay's life. Um, he and I have a strong, strong, strong friendship. Um, and I consider him a personal hero for myself, but also he's also a hero of the community. Um, but I don't want to talk about his story too much. I'd rather let him tell it. So um, right now we can either, we're, we're honestly, we're trying to make a decision here of if we want to rehash and recap and have a, have a nice clean one shot of a Jay story, or if we want to just pick up and kind of do a part three. And um, yeah. I'm just going to lead in with the question too, Mr. Jay Lawrence. Of, okay. You know, what is your story and how do you yeah. want to tell it right now? All right. Well, um, I think I, I'm really happy to be here. And I think that it's really nice to, to talk about um, the, how my personal story connects with my family story and, um, the family members uh, involved are um, my two parents who have now passed and um, my grandmother who passed away during COVID. And then um, most importantly, how my family had, um, was um, uh, just so um, focused for the last uh, over 40 years um, on the care of my sister, who is developmentally delayed uh, from birth uh, with cerebral palsy and um, ha has kind of like a affect of a happy two-year-old, like two or three-year-old forever. And so she is um, kind of the center of, of my world. And um, I'm about 12 years younger than her. And... Um, she is um, 47 now. So what I wanted to talk about today was just how I um, weathered the 2008 uh, time period in our, in our family um, and then jumped to, um, you know, more recently, our, uh, our pandemic lifestyle um, and then, you know, close out. So basically in, in 2008, we all know that the economy just um, crashed and those 2008 graduates like myself were facing an economy that just was essentially didn't exist. Yeah, we're suddenly. And so um, what was really powerful about going to school at Amherst College was that um, as my uh, father was, was ill um, and had dementia suddenly, um, aphasia, I guess is what they call it, um, they gave me a added scholarship to kind of restart my junior year. And uh, so my junior and senior year were, um, with their knowledge and support of, of um, making sure that my sister was okay, my mom was okay, my dad was okay, right? And uh, 
my uh, my grandma was actually um, in a nursing home, at, just starting at a nursing home in that time period. So it was really head of household time for me. Um, right then and there, at, at the end of my senior year, I had transitioned my sister to a board and care uh, um, group home situation where I could administrate and help um, the with my sister's finances and, and care, but with the 24-7 care um, that she deserves, right? And that, that group was called Alpine Homes in uh, Redwood City. And they've been doing amazing work for many, many decades before that. Um, so um, it, it just worked out perfectly. Uh, two African-American women um, uh, own that company and worked really hard to, um, to staff it with uh, people who have the patience and time to w watch over my sister. That's what allowed me to focus more and, and finish school. I think that I don't know how I would have been able to do it otherwise. My college, Amherst, is 3,000 miles away. It blows me away that I was able to do this, but it, it, it was through county support yet again, because that's the regional center's side of the work, but then there's also the care of my, my, my parents. My mom was also um, disabled for the last, uh, about 15 to 20 years prior to that. So she had cardiopulmonary hypertension. She's sitting there trying her best to, um, to fight her fight with edema that's, and, and that's inflammation um, from water retention to um, cardiopulmonary, cardiopulmonary hypertension where your, your <coughs> lungs and your heart are not working as efficiently. So now you have trouble just doing exercise or walking around to from the car to your um, from your bedroom to the car and back things like that. So imagine that um, the county comes in and provides in-home support services, and IHSS I hear all over the Bay Area is the hero to a lot of family stories, just the absolute hero work. Because and, and luckily they're they're unionized, so that's SEIU. Um, I don't want to say the number now because I don't want to get it wrong, but I I really appreciate the fact that not only is this caregiving work um, there for for families that are in poverty like mine, but that it's unionized as well, so that those people who work in this in the in in caregiving on a day to day basis have their own advocate. Um, Eventually, I got through my degree, returned home, and as I started looking at doing my job applications of the, of the time, looking at the what was at, what was available, what, who was who was hiring, it was very scarce for someone who wanted to work in the social sciences, someone who wanted to um, do research. Um, all of these research institutions are suddenly hard up on their funds and I've already had staff for years and so their what their staff that have existed for like a couple of months or a couple of year uh, only a year or so they're downsizing even those people who have already been hired so let alone how would they pick up an Amherst College graduate right then and there so I realized that I needed to take the time to work um, 
uh, on my family and, and helping help them with their, their um, nutritional needs and getting them to their doctor's appointments, which were many and various every single month. So what worked for me was to work for IHSS directly. So I did the in-home support services work and um, was able to um, take a, a part-time job um, at a local middle school. And being able to, to care for my parents directly and, and, then, and yet also have that outlet of working in the community in East Palo Alto was exactly what I needed. I'm a, uh, a high school graduate of Gunn High School in Palo Alto. That's a different city and a different county, even though the names between the two cities are East Palo Alto, where I lived, and Palo Alto, where I went to school. So imagine you're not, um, you're not just on the wrong side of the train tracks, you're on the wrong side of the train tracks, the El Camino, and the freeway. You know, so uh, in the Bay Area speak, that means I was really poor, but I was going to school with the, with the richest and, and the most funded educational system um, around, hands down. And- um, California, let alone across the country. That's right. Um, my high school was top 100 in the country um, and continues to be so. Um, and being a, a graduate of that experience of going from, from first grade all the way through, um, all, all the way through high school, um, sitting on a bus for an extra 30 minutes more than any of the other bused kids into that school district, it, it really focused my work. And so I graduated with a, a degree in Black Studies, uh, focused on the history of education and how to teach students um, physical science, especially students in the urban environment. So went on to, um, to work in this, in this middle school um, uh, as a academic dean rather than a uh, classroom teacher or an after-school teacher. So the opportunity there was that I could work with the students who had the greatest need and had just gone through all of the negative um, demerits and um, consequences in their classroom and needed to be basically walkie-talkied, Mr. Lawrence, Johnny needs to have a walk with you kind of situation. Yeah. So that was my job. I was the person to call, literally. And I knew that that would increase my, my knowledge. What, were, what was that? Reinforcements. Exactly. Yeah. And so it increased my knowledge of, of the school system to really get to know the students where the school finds those students ha having the greatest difficulty. Right. And so I, I that was a good place for me to start out. I love that experience so much that that's how I applied to become a citizen schools, um, a, a um, AmeriCorps fellow administrated by the, a program called Citizen Schools. And I did that purposely so that I could continue to work in that middle school, but full time. Mm -hmm. And so that's that growth that, that I'm talking about is that you, where, you know, it's, um, it's like a 
finding a rose growing out of concrete. Mm. Um, that, that's an image I'm, I've held for a long time through um, my studies in urban education at Amherst. Yeah. And I know that like, uh, Tupac, Tupac was one who more or less like famously said that. Do you know that um, yeah. rose growing from concrete, if that is um, perhaps an idiom from prior to his use of it or? I, I, wanted, I would actually be okay with thinking that it started with Tupac and that education researchers have used it ever since. Um, but I don't know exactly. Um, but isn't that great that like we have um, art and music informing the social science um, discussions, right? That's what's so important is we always got to say, remember this is all the same planet, it's all the same world. So that, this, that all of these things are interconnected. And so, yeah, um, citizen schools said, you know what, we'll, we'll take you all the way to Boston again, again, <laughs> all the way to Massachusetts again, train you for a little bit, uh, about, I guess it was like a couple of days, and then, and then send you right back to your, your own community. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, uh, I'll do that if, if you're going to mainly pay me by uh, saving up for college. Was that again? I think we are in Boston for 10 days. Yeah. That was 10 days, yes. Um, yeah, to, you know, remind the, the listener what how, how you connect to that. <laughs> well, that's that was the fateful ten days where Ajay and I first met, made acquaintances, because um, we were uh, I was platooned to uh, be stationed <laughs> in the same community in the same school as uh, as Mr. J Lawrence here, um, and as fate would have it. Um, we had um, an immersive experience for um, learning some, not only uh, like a crash course of pedagogy and inner city at risk kind of um, educational basics, but then also just what the heck um, our mission for closing the achievement gap really could look like and what citizen school's purpose was and Trying to take all that in, um, by yeah, all but yeah. that, and then actually arriving and participating, but not only that, but, but uh, testing resilience and impacting school communities and, and kids' lives and each other's lives creates yeah. a, quite a special bond. And that's why I don't think it, it, it would take a whole lot to be broken for sure. Um, and man, I mean, I think about how formidable those times were and and the grit of the kids. I mean, they're the heroes too. You know, they came, they, they decided to, um, the, uh, uh, their parents and them decided that they needed more from their education. Right. And so they extended the learning day and we had the opportunity to teach them in that extended learning time. And the best part about it was that it wasn't babysitting. As much as uh, that that is important in many different you know households, what we were doing was truly extending the learning day for those kids, so that they transitioned at, at three o'clock to another classroom at their school 
and we were standing right there ready to go with all of our stuff, ready to pull it all out of our cart and put it all on the wall and get ready to teach them what they needed to, to, to learn to catch up even more because most students in the this, this school district um, are right about a year and a half to two years behind grade level in all levels. English especially and, and, and math especially, right? So, I mean, it was great to be able to teach English language arts to them and, and, and supplemental math lessons to them. And then also to make it fun though, right? Yeah, we made it fun. Uh, one of the other um, keystones of what we were doing was providing um, a space and sort of a connection point of professionals that were either in and around the community um, that were that were actually Google employees, Google engineers, right. or Facebook uh, or whatever uh, tech. We've Silicon art. Valley. <laughs> yeah, Silicon Valley. How can we? And that's what it was. Is I think that system schools in general had a strategic um, ability to find uh, communities that were that had some proximity to resources um, and basically like the things that you describe your gun equivalent community having complete high school yeah. to and giving them as much of that as as, as we could humanly do um, within right. our, our abilities. And some of the, the light bulbs, the connections, the beliefs, the, um, uh, the being able to actually see themselves um, becoming the things Whatever that we they want, about, you know, the things that the the the, the kinds of like uh, like a, like someone who goes through the Palo Alto School District or um, the Boulder Valley School District goes through just inherently, it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to become, uh, I'm going to go to college. Oh, you take for granted that right. you have any possibility to just be doctor, lawyer, teacher, whatever you want to want to strive to be, um, but that is not what is as common in Ravenswood School District or Oakland right. School District, right? right. They and the school district really wants this too. They believe, as as a, another nonprofit in East Palo Alto said, uh, their favorite statement is, um, "High expectations lead to high achievement." So, uh, so these school districts uh, leaders really want to make this happen for their students, but they know that there that ultimately there is a financial difference between what they have and as to work with compared to those other school districts around them, right? And so that's what's so powerful about bringing these programs to um, schools in need directly. Um, and we just need to keep that keep that going. And so I just feel like I was so lucky that in 2008 uh, through um, 20, I think it was 2013, I was involved in all of that work in East Palo Alto and just getting us into the next the next phase in my life was um, was going on to um, living in Oakland, mm. and um, you know, realizing that that I wanted to continue to do this work, um, you know, and also falling in love, right, and and really trying to create my 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 own household. So I started out in on Lakeside in Oakland, amazing opportunity to live in. Um, right next to that that beautiful real estate area um, and uh, but at the same time continue to do the work um, we need it and so as an as a 
Black Studies major, it's it's important for me to look at the trends and the demographic dra- demographic shifts, and I needed to be in Oakland to really see and work on, on um, uh, my ability to teach students who were of African descent as well. Um, and I used that background and experience in East Palo Alto to really help me um, learn more about teaching in Oakland. And I would say that um, why I, you know I'm here to talk to you is just to to, to you know inspire people to to realize like um, they their context may, may be really difficult. Like for example, me with my um, having so many family members to care for and growing up all my life and knowing that I would be the caregiver for my own older sister. Though those kind of adversities, we have to use them as assets. Mm right? Cultural capital, uh, um, you know, creating your, your own space of, of solutions, um, is so important. There's, there's policymakers, there's, there's politicians, there's, um, uh, you know, your advisor, your supervisor at work or in, in school, all of them can do things to help you. Right. And they need to do those things. Right. Um, but we also have to come with the knowledge, our self-knowledge. So I came to those different tables where those people had the higher power dynamic over me, right? Mm-hmm. And I showed them what my capital was. I always knew what I had in my, in my you know, tool belt. And I was saying, please help me add to this. Um, as opposed to just being very lost, very confused, just angry, scared, you, we, ha- we can be angry and scared, but we have to also show our toolbox at all times so that someone can help you with filling it or improving on the tools you have in that toolbox. And that's, that's my big thing of, um, that I'm getting out of so far in my life. Um, and, you know, I, I was so happy to work at Oakland Tech, learned a lot from Oakland Tech. Um, and in terms of teaching physics to 12th graders and um, learning about how, um, um, how different it is to be a part of a learning community. Yep. So that means I knew all the other science teachers in the school district because we all had our pro- professional development meetings and they, took the time to keep mixing us up so that we weren't just sitting with our, our classes or our schools. Um, but at times we would mix and meet and talk with the other people from the other schools about pedagogy directly. And I thought that was amazing work. We were sitting at um, in the Oakland uh, Zoo, free access, and and they had a special like classroom location or offices and classroom location we just got to chop it up and learn together that's so cool man so and uh remind our our listeners um so you were correct me if i'm wrong this became high school science um that you were then teaching and participating in right so moving from middle school to to teaching high school yeah uh sub single subject and then surprisingly realizing that 
I was in the right space in the first place. As I started to work with the um, uh, Exploratorium Teacher Institution, yeah. uh, Beginning Teacher Institution, they made me a fellow and I was like, okay, um, what what can you support me with? And and they they were like, we could do we could we could help you in the high school level or we could help you with at a at the middle school level. But we have a, phys a physics um, senior advisor to the entire museum that's on deck either way. Um, it's just it's up to you. And so I actually worked with that person to figure out what I wanted, and it was actually eighth grade physical science. It's the physics class that I want to teach, and I do, and I and I I have experience with at the twelfth grade level, but at the eighth grade level, it tends to be more about the science directly and less about the math and the math education that um, is getting those students ready for their college um, their college time. Uh, honestly, you spend also a lot of time writing recommendations or helping the students with their college applications. And I worked a lot in, in that kind of service and work in the um, in Foundation for a College Education in East Palo Alto, but I wanted something different I, and yet familiar. So I went, ended up at Edna, Edna Brewer Middle School. And still, this is in Oakland. And still, you're sitting with um, you know a education community once again, but this time I had the fellowship money from the Exploratorium, and that was amazing to be able to work um, as someone who you know is working my way out of poverty. I felt so ready to talk to eighth graders about their world, about their pain about their joys and what they want to do in life and that and their current bumps in the road because there's big bumps they hit around seventh and eighth grade they get depressed because they're finally smart enough to know how much they've how much has been stolen from them mm. as as being in that zip code Yep. As being um, as going into a, a, a department store by yourself and your parents aren't around and someone's following you to make sure that you don't steal something and you just came in there just to buy socks. You know, that's those kinds of experiences uh, uh, for, for students um, uh, was ubiquitous, like they, they all had their stories um, and um, I'm, I'm, I think I'm really good with working with that age group because that it's really, that's really what it's about is trying to get them to say, yes, this is, that sucks. And yes, this isn't fair and right, but, but we, what are we going to do about it? And as a social science, you know, undergrad and major, I really had more tools to talk to them about both the, the inequalities and the steps that they can take to get out of it. And so that I, I really love teaching eighth grade because of that. Um, seventh and eighth grade are, are um, need teachers like that, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely, man. Um, you've got a, so what, what are your readers, what, yeah, go for it, yeah. Well, I was gonna say, you've got a gift, um, I think in that way, um, in terms of connection, having both enough empathy um, to, to know what it, to, to see what it's like to be walking in their shoes and know what it's like to be walking in their shoes, but 
but then enough um, uh, ability to understand that it's necessary to push them perhaps out of comfort zones and to be challenging to um, to be nurturing and with a little bit with tinges of tough love because um, understanding that that all of that is um, critical and important for one's development. What I what I kind of I guess my one question I would ask is do you feel where where is that in your life that you feel you've developed that for yourself? Because for example, for myself, I think that my my very similar to your stories of of different adversities. It's my my father was an alcoholic. You know, um, my mother had to work two jobs. My brother had exactly you know having all and especially. Um, these all these sort of challenges there's there's sort of multiple ways to go about it with one's life and there's caving in and being so defeated about all of it or there's just like you you said earlier turning your adversities into assets um i'd like to think that that what i what i truly have come to why i am someone who has been told that i have a gift or i'm so natural of a leader with kids and with you young. really are you really are that is that is very much so what i would say as well and you're right that i could um say a little more about that is that it when your leadership development and um processing our own traumas mm. have to go hand in hand because i've had bad leaders in the in, in the past in the education sphere who what made them bad was just simply that they hadn't finished processing their own traumas right and so it would leak out every once in a while yeah. there so that's where i agree is that i that we are um we are more responsible because of the leadership roles we end up in mm -hmm. for students or for any other kinds of jobs where it's service oriented um where it's public facing so when we're public facing, it, it, it does feel like a stage, uh, a performance sometimes. But as long as that part of the performance is more about the language codes we use and, and making sure that, that we're answering the questions that are given to us by parents, students, staff, people around us, um, that we're being more authentic because we've, we've also taken the time to really think about, meditate on, whatever the word is for you, our true history, our true um, traumas. Um, and then also from that, remind ourselves of what we learned from all of those moments. So that's where that toolkit, you know, setting that out on the table and looking at those. It's hard to look at all of the tools in your toolkit because what goes along with it was the work that it took to put those tools in there. Yeah. And that work is is where that where the trauma came from, or the difficulties come from. Um, the you know, just knowing that you needed to do at least X Y Z just to respect the history of your your mom and dad in in care of your brother, or just to respect in a, another moment you would you'd think, oh, just I need to at least do this just to respect my the all the work of my other brothers who taught me basketball, who taught me how to become a coach on top of that. I need to, you know, I'm going to do a couple more, more shots today at the end of the day today, because I can, 
and I need, and I know I need it, and I know it's good for me. You know that that's a that is a skill to realize. Oh yeah, I got more. You know that's a Le- LeBron level skill, right? <laughs> I got more time. I'm gonna put it in. I'm gonna put in the time. So yeah, it's putting in the time, right? We I guess that's the other thing we didn't talk about yet. It's just like the idea of putting in the time. So um, what do we practice? I love that that little like. Um, it was like an Instagram um, or TikTok thing that went around. It was a little kid from India. And he stared into the camera with big eyes and he said, what do you practice? Mm. What do you really practice? Because that is who you will be and that is who you are. Wow. And the way he said it, and he said it multiple times, what mm-hmm. do you practice, right? Mm-hmm. And it just, it, it perfectly, mm. uh, shows what people can do to like you know change improve and also respect their personal history you know and so yeah i really hope that one day that i can become even more of a leader in 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 life um but we also you know also i took a break mm-hmm. that's the last thing which is to say is that you know my la- my other part of the story is i i really took a break from education entirely so that I could finish saying goodbye mm. to my last two extremely um, uh, sick family members, as because they were my dad, my dad, and my grandma were passed in the same um, same uh, 15, 15 month period, and I knew that that was going to happen. Uh, they were they were both at that point um so saying goodbye to them was um and of of course you know five years prior to my dad's passing my mom passed um and so that was hard too um and but i had those other family members to rely on and and was held to right you know I, i was able to hold my my grandma about it hold my dad about it but this this last passing of my my dad and grandma, it meant that uh, when my grandma so fa- frail at 90, 93 years old, 92 at the time that my dad passed, um, I couldn't really hold to her the way that I could with the other with my mom passing, right? And I realized that I didn't need to teach this year. You know, in that the, at that point, I realized I needed some time for myself to reflect, to focus, and I could afford to. I had been careful about uh, my money so that I could, in fact, take a break and just do a couple of hours with, uh, with get within that gig economy, as they say. I was doing maybe like five, six hours at most and in any, any given day. And I didn't have to do it every day. I, I did it only on like Monday to Friday. And it allowed me to take a little time to really say goodbye. Important. And sit next and, and, and go to those two nursing homes uh, where, where my, my, my grandma and my dad were. They were in separate areas of the Bay Area. So I had to get there, you know, and then I drive down, you know, um, 101, you know, for 45 minutes or so before I could get to the other one. And I'd sit there 
and I talked to them. And in my grandma's case, I was reminding of her, her of her own story, just telling her her own story again, telling her who she is, um, because her dementia was just that high. And my dad's dementia was different. It was more like he had become more like a, a teenager in affect, you know, so I could talk to him, just talk to him. But his ability to talk back was, was, was uh, difficult. So it was a one-way street for most of those conversations. Um, and I realized that, you know, if I was teaching during that time, the, the reality is teachers don't work a 40-hour week. They teach as long as their eyes are open. <laughs> hey, that's the way to <laughs> you know? That's the way to put that's, it. That's, that's the job, right? Mm -hmm. So I wanted to pour all of my time um, into that later. And so I'm, I'm very interested in, you know, as we end here, like I just wanted you to know, I'm, I'm ready to go back to school, um, work on a master's and hopefully, um, you know, be a principal one day. For real? And what I, I know is that I took the break that I needed when I needed it. And I'm, re I'm good to go now, ready to go with all my toolbox. Wow. Well, you know, well-crafted. I know what I have, I know what I need. And I know that even that last statement, I know what I need, isn't really true. Mm -hmm. I don't, a truly wise person knows that they don't know everything, right? Hey, so I, there's also whole things that I, I will acquire and learn in the next couple of decades um that i didn't even know i needed <laughs> so that's my plan that's my arc i love it i love that dude um i'm looking forward to the journey then yeah man it was good talking to you i, I should go soon um did, did you have any last questions or you know what we didn't really talk about just now was impacts of pandemic I feel that okay. you had maybe a few words you wanted to share on that. Um, yeah, just, just maybe how that, people, that would help yeah. even kind of transition to how you kind of came to this new um, newfound ambition that you got. Yeah, so, you know, in, in the pandemic, we have, we have isolation and also uncertainty. Mm -hmm. And lastly, um, we have anger. Yeah. I feel like these are, th these are three things that like every person has experienced in the last, uh, year, year and one month. Yeah. And I found myself, um, in quarantine the first week that, uh, the pandemic hit yeah. quarantine. In a Maryland hospital, yeah, because because all of a sudden the only area in 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 the United States that had an un you know uh, unclear uh, history of how someone you know ended up in the hospital with this with COVID uh, was the Bay Area. Uh, it was just us because the whole, and, and maybe that little mini fire in, in Portland, I think, uh, a nursing home or something like that. But that was it. It was just uh, Vallejo, I guess, somewhere around Vallejo. And 
I had symptoms that they weren't sure about. So I missed my flight. I decided <clears throat> not to even go to the hospital, uh, not to even go to the airport. And I went straight to their Kaiser facility and, and submitted myself because they weren't sure how long this, the uh, virus um, uh, susceptibility begins, ends, um, and also how you can, when you're spreading it and how long you're spreading it. So I just thought, you know what? I have the savings to miss this flight. I have the power to make sure that I'm not a, a super spreader in this moment because they don't know so much about, there's so much they don't know about this virus right now. So they put me in a hemetic room for six hours. The guys were wearing the suit with the all up and down um, uh, uh, jumpsuit. Surgical with the covering, yeah. I mean, this was this was be this was like the movie, pandemic. It was exactly the same suit. Oh, outbreak. And and uh, or outbreak, yeah, yeah. And they uh, they they were testing me. They checked. Um, they took some blood samples and they said to me, honestly, this, this pandemic is so new and this virus is so new. We don't really know if we don't have a direct test yet clear. Yeah. Right. So it wasn't even about what were you <clears throat> doing the no swap, right? <laughs> what were the symptoms then? I don't even recall. I remember having, a, I remember it was having a conversation. You were sick. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the 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 symptoms um, were, were well. I mean, some of them, you know, you don't really want to talk about on the on the, on the radio, but <laughs> but uh, but basically, you're, you're just you're 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 not feeling good in, in your digestive system. Let's just say, and then um, also you're you're having headaches and you you're having a, I was I was starting to have a fever, and I was uh, throwing up in the morning. Um, the for and then it was that morning that I was feeling that um, what I was supposed to go on a flight that evening so I just canceled all of that and what was great was that in those six hours of isolation and then you know trying to, to, to think of ways to test me they ended up with doing an x-ray on my chest looking at whether I was having a respiratory viral issue versus a different kind of viral issue or bacterial issue. So it probably was just a uh, the Philly cheese tour and trying Philly cheese is, you know, Philadelphia is great. Everybody, seriously, I love I love the tour. I love Philadelphia. I just think that, you know, I was having a lot of uh, food options on this this foodie uh, gastronomic tour right mm -hmm. and I think I picked up something at that point it was about four days uh, three to four days prior to this this illness feeling so it's likely the foodie tour but by checking my x-rays and checking my chest and finding that I was I was less congested than I am in this conversation <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that it was just a combination of my uh, my seasonal allergies and and some some bug like that. I stayed in in um, uh, Baltimore for another five days just in case 
they could find something in my blood work or they would they change their mind and they call me they want to call me back in um and it was it turned out to not be COVID. they did not need to bring me back in they were okay with uh the work that they did to make sure and that's what i'm trying to say about this this time period is that you know you, there's also a lot of anger with all of us right because we we know that this was happening four months prior in China and our government wasn't getting ready. They weren't getting ready at all. They were just like, oh, it's over there. Letting people safe. What do you mean it's over there? We have airports, people. Yeah. You know, and so that's where that anger is and that's where everyone has it, you know, when we think back to that. And so, you know, I, I, I think, but then we also have to figure out how to get past it, right? So once again, um, coming back, you know, I got, I got financially solvent for the first time in my life. Um, I paid down bills that I, uh, I really needed to, to focus on. Um, and I had, and by sitting at home and being in, in lockdown, um, in California, I, I was really blessed to be able to say, yeah, it's time for me to like, just look back at all of this and really reflect. And that's why I was able to talk about the things that we were able to talk, we, we just talked about in these, in this interview, right? Mm -hmm. And um, when we work on our, our, you know, financial stability, we also start to feel a little bit better too, right? So um, I was um, healthy enough to finally start to go for runs um, safely, right? Still, we had to do all of the things to make ourselves safe, right? But in Oakland, um, our mayor had has has shut down certain streets uh, purposely to to provide more walking space for pedestrians. So I I've been you know losing weight you know honestly for the last twelve months I've been consistently uh, losing weight from fat and gaining weight from from pure like muscle gains, and now I'm lifting. Um, uh, you know, uh, professional, uh, well, with a trainer now, um, but I'm, mm -hmm. I'm lifting weights directly and doing that whole CrossFit thing. So that, that's my arc for, for, uh, the pandemic is like realizing like, oh man, I gotta, I have to really look it within and, uh, process this, the, the anger we all have, but then also like, you know, we, we got politically motivated, um, Tried to make sure that if I was doing going to a uh, a march, that I, I stayed you know pretty far from other people. Yeah, always double masked. Yeah, because Oakland, you know, we had a lot of we had a lot of protest opportunities, as it were. We had a lot of people come out, um, but then we also tried to keep it as safe as we could. Um, be, but it had to be done. We had to make statements when we did um, around Black Lives Matter uh, uh, chiefly. Um, we were we have lost too many people of African descent, such as myself, who just from walking down the street at the wrong time and in the wrong place. And, it, and there shouldn't be a wrong place and there shouldn't be a wrong time to be a human being. And so all people matter to me and i want them all to be safe and happy and have well-being but no one can be safe 
if an entire population of people who are brown are not safe. And that's what Black Lives Matter means. So I'm all for it, and um, I I love the 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 outcry, but I also love the follow up. People are still involved today. It's not just a one time flare up, um, and there are the fact that the Megan was it Megan Markle or oh my god yeah this oh that interview with Oprah oh I was I was sitting there in tears I didn't I didn't fin I haven't finished it because it was so hard but I I, I plan to do the rest. Um, uh, this weekend with my girlfriend when I finally see her. That's the other thing. I, I've gotten into a relationship um, in in COVID and, you know, I'm, you know, wonderfully in love. It's been, you know, five months now. And just imagine uh, trying to, to meet somebody and, 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 and date someone on a video chat, right? Just just doing video chats every night and then trying to figure out how to, like, sync up our 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 streaming services but we made it work every once in a while i'd use doordash i'd send her i send her my uh, our, our our wine or or dinner and we'd just make it work man and so that's a that's that's the fun part of the story is that uh you know we have the innovation coming out of the adversity yeah man love it dude love it man love you man um I uh I know someone's gonna hear this, hear your story, be inspired. Um and I'm so glad that we got a chance to capture it. Dude, always you're a big brother to me. You are um a You're just you're just someone to look up to at all times, man. And I just uh, respect. I love you till one of us deuces. You know, <laughs> how it is. Um, Beyond that, I'm, I'm real appreciative <laughs> that you that you gave your time to to um, to my cause, my my Sky's the Limit group, and I'm sure that they'll be um, grateful for it too. It's a worthy cause. I hope to tune in um, some more and listen to the other things that uh, that you put up there, you know, that you put into the world. Um, so in my Buddhist practice, we say nam myoho kyo And I, you know, bless you and hope that, you know, you continue to bring peace to the world. Oh, yeah. All right, brother, man. Hey, have a good right, one. Peace. Okay. I'll catch you.